hope you feel welcome by now. I think you've been welcomed by two or three folks, and let me just add mine to that. We're so glad that you're at church today. By the way, today is a very special day all over Christendom around the world. Does anybody have any idea what that special day is today? Pentecost. Who said that? Raise your hand. Give them a hand. They, they, yeah. All right. Yes, this, this, this is Pentecost Sunday. Now, unfortunately, um, Pentecost Sunday is not um, given the kind of um, um, special attention that Christmas and Easter is given. But um, I certainly think that uh, it, it should get more attention than it does get. I, and to me, the three most special days in all of Christendom is, first of all, Christmas, because that's when we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. If he had not come, uh, there would not be a Christian religion. Amen? And then Easter, if uh, Jesus had not arisen from the dead on the resurrection morning, then Christmas would be a mute point. It's great that he came, but he came for a purpose. And Easter celebrates the fact that he accomplished what he came for. But then Pentecost Sunday uh, celebrates the birth of the church. Jesus not only purchased our salvation on the cross, but he also purchased the church with his own blood. Um, the scripture says, take heed unto yourselves and over all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So the church is the purchased possession of Jesus. And it was birthed on Pentecost Sunday. And so I want to talk to you today about Pentecost. We're going to celebrate it for the next few minutes in this message. My text, I want to take you to the most familiar text uh, that deals with Pentecost and it's found in the book of Acts chapter 2, the first four verses. If you just listen carefully or watch the screens. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly... I love the suddenlies of the Bible, don't you? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Today, as we celebrate Pentecost, there are over 500 million spirit-filled believers in the earth today. So don't ever hang your head and think that you're a minority or that you're just a member of a little sect of people that uh, claim to be Pentecostal or charismatic or spirit-filled or whatever term they want to use. No, 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 no. In fact, did you know that Pentecostalism is the fastest growing segment of all Christendom all over the world. Fastest growing. We are growing at an exponential rate all over the earth. We are living in the total fulfillment, the complete fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. In Joel chapter 2, 
He said, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I love that, don't you? Old men will dream dreams. And I finally reached that category where I can just dream. And, 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 and we dream these big dreams, and, and then we hand it to the young folks because they take the vision and run with it. Isn't that great? I, I, just, I just love it. I used to be one of them. I had to run with the vision. Now I just dream the dreams and pass the dream, and they take it with the vision and go with it, and we praise the Lord. We're all together important, and God's pouring his spirit in all of the earth on all people. You would be amazed at what's happening. In fact, and I'll try to update you sometime in the not-too-distant future of something phenomenal that's taking place right now in America as God is pouring out his spirit. There's a little place in West Virginia. And by the way, many, many years ago, in the mountains of West Virginia, in the mountains of Kentucky, and in the um, uh, part, part of the rural area of Ohio, there was a, a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit several generations ago. And uh, in one revival in Kentucky, in fact, there were 70 young men that got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit in that revival, 70. And did you know that all 70 of them became full-time ministers of the gospel? Amen. Give God praise for that. One of those ministers in that revival was Perry Stone's dad. Those of you that are familiar with Perry Stone's ministry, his dad was one of the, one of the young men that got saved in that revival. God is revisiting those same areas right now. In fact, in West Virginia, revival broke out last year in a high school. And, and uh, it, it just started, they just started praying and, and the Holy Spirit just came and and, and then they had to start having services at night, and they've been filling the largest venues in the area. And revival has been going for a long time there now, and it spread, it's happening in Kentucky. Now, those, those sites where God has poured out his spirit. And I believe that God, one of the places that God poured out his spirit in those early days at the turn of the last century, but between the late 1800s and the early 1900s, that's when our church denomination came into existence and uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened in Georgia. So we're looking for a mighty, mighty revival in the state of Georgia in these last days. Amen. I want to be a part of that, don't you? <laughs> Praise God. Well, let's get into the message. First of all, let, let's, let's just define it so you'll know what we're talking about. Here's Pentecost defined. And, and this is brief. I could talk a long time because there, there's so much history. It goes way back into the Old Testament. Actually, it was a feast. Pentecost is a prominent feast in the calendar of ancient Israel celebrating the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And also later, it became a part of, of the Christian faith because it was during that feast that the Jews celebrated every year that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so it connects there. Actually, the word Pentecost itself simply means 50. And um, so the Feast of Pentecost in the Old Testament occurred 50 days or seven weeks after Passover. And uh, God chose to send the gift of the Holy Spirit and birth the church 
50 days after the resurrection, seven weeks after the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so it's celebrated at the same time as that festival was celebrated in the Jewish religion. And while Pentecost was originally a celebration of a feast, and because God has chosen this day to send his Holy Spirit, people all over the world this morning are celebrating Pentecost. Now, I want to take you to the scriptures and, and show you the, the promise that God gave us of this Pentecostal outpouring. First of all, he talked to his disciples. Now, think about this for a minute. I want you to let your imagination kind of run wild with you for just a little bit and, and see if you can picture this. The disciples had spent three and a half years with Jesus in his ministry. They'd seen a lot of things and been wonderful. But nothing like those last 40 days that they spent with Jesus before his ascension. Because after he was ready, they saw him crucified. They knew that he died. They knew that he was buried. And then they saw the resurrected Lord, and they saw him in his glorified body. Man. And, they, and Jesus spent 40 days with them after his ascension. Can you imagine the excitement when Jesus, and, and he would just show up at different times. Remember, he's in a glorified body now. That old body died. God resurrected it in a glorified form. And that's the kind of body that you and I are going to have <laughs> glory someday after we die and we're uh, resurrected or if we're caught up together with the Lord in the rapture and that's very possible that, that this whole crowd here today could go into rapture Jesus could come today before we finish the service I believe that with all my heart and I don't know about you but when I get to talk I, I'm, I'm going to have trouble not getting sidelined here so I'm going to run this rabbit trail for just a short minute and pull back and get back to my message but, but anytime I think about a glorified body I get excited I get excited and the older I get the more excited I get <laughs> about a glorified body because you're looking at at my natural physical body here this morning and uh, this body's given me a lot of trouble for over 70 years now it's given me a it's given me a, a fit from time to time and uh, and and, it, and, it, and it, it now it doesn't have quite as much stamina as it used to have and it's you know a lot of things are breaking down. I don't see as good as I used to. I don't hear as good as I used to. And I, um, sometimes that's a blessing. But, uh, um, <coughs> but, uh, but, uh, but I, I, can, I can hardly wait to get my glorified body. Hey, hey, look up here. When Jesus comes and you see old Rich, he'll be about 6'8", 6'10". I mean... <laughs> No, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what our statue, I, we, we'll probably still be short. In fact, if it wasn't for us short folks, you guys that are taller would not be tall. Do you realize that? <laughs> we are the only reason people consider you tall. If everybody was your height, you'd just be an average old Joe. But because of wonderful people um, that, that are short, like my brothers right here on the front row, we, we, you, you owe us a great debt for... Uh, for helping people to look up to you. You, you understand it? But, but we're going to have glorified bodies. In other words, we're going to have bodies that will have no more pain, will have no more deformities, will have no more shortcomings, will have no more... Uh, it, it's just going to be wonderful. 
and we're going to rule and reign with Jesus, living in glorified bodies, and we're going to live forever and forever and forever. So the disciples had a wonderful time. I'm getting back. I'm off of that rabbit trail now. <laughs> Get back to my message. The disciples had a wonderful time uh, with Jesus for 40 days before he ascended back to heaven. But he talked to them about leaving them, and it saddened them. I'm going to take you to the 13th chapter of St. John's Gospel. I want to read a few verses. This is Jesus speaking from 33 to 35. Little children, he's talking to his disciples now. I shall be with you a little while longer. You're going to seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you can't come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Now, when Jesus made this statement to his disciples, they were very sad. And Simon Peter starts off a barrage of questions. And uh, this is kind of wrapping up the 13th chapter of St. John, but I want to encourage you to read the 14th chapter of St. John. It's a wonderful, wonderful chapter. If you've never studied it, you ought to study it. Uh, many of you can quote the way it begins. You, you remember John 14? This will sound familiar to you. Jesus said, it finishes, and all of it's tied together. It's all part of the conversation. Jesus said after he answered this question of Peter, he, he starts off by saying, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, in the way you know. And Thomas, the questions start again. Here we go. More questions, more questions. Thomas kicks off the first one. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus responded in verse 6 with that profound statement. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You want to know how to get to heaven? Come to Jesus. That's the way to get there. Now, I know this particular verse of Scripture, John 14, 6, is one that causes a lot of people to call us narrow-minded. Uh, have you heard people say that all the roads lead to heaven? No, they don't. No, they don't. There's only one way to heaven. And if you, if you call that narrow-minded, I'm sorry. But listen to me, folks. If there was another way, Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross and suffer and die for our sins. You understand that? So there is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's the way to the Father. It's through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ continues to answer some questions there. Then Philip pops up and he's got a, he starts talking. He said, Lord, show us the Father because Jesus was talking to him about the Father. Uh, if it sufficeth thee. And he had some questions about the Father. And, and Jesus said to him, Philip, have you been so long with me? And you say you haven't seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, the main purpose of Jesus coming to this world was to give his life for our sins. But there are other reasons he came as well. And one of those was to show us the Father. You and I in this physical body cannot look upon God the Father. We can't see him. God's a spirit. 
and we can't see the magnificence of God. We, we can't do that. But when Jesus became incarnate in human flesh, one of the reasons he did that was so that we could see the Father. So if you want to know anything about God the Father, just get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you hear Jesus, you hear the voice of the Father. When you see the works of Jesus, you see the works of the Father. When you see what he says and what he does and how he lives and how he thinks, you're getting the mind and the heart of the Father. Jesus came to show us the Father. And when you look at Jesus, you see just how much God the Father loves you. That's reason Peter said God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God loves you infinitely more than you can possibly comprehend. So Jesus answered all these questions. And, and, uh, and, and so let me just, I'm going to run on down through these instead of reading a, a lot of it. I'll just read a few highlights along the way and tell you some of the things that Jesus said. To give you some clarity about this thing of the Holy Spirit. First of all, Jesus promised that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be able to do even greater works than he did. Now, I'm not talking about uh, greater works as far as the... Uh, the quality of what he did, but I'm talking about the quantity of what he did. We're going to do infinitely more. Look at verse 12 in John 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus is still speaking. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Now, what's this going to the Father all about? Jesus said, when I go to the Father, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church is going to be able to do even greater works than Jesus was able to do here in the flesh in one place at one time. Because listen, folks, while the church is meeting at New Hope this morning, the church is meeting in Africa. The church is meeting in Asia. The church is meeting in India. The church is meeting in South America. The church is meeting all over the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at the promise of the use of his name. Verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, Whatever you ask the, in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Praise the Lord. Now, he's talking, again, about spirit-filled believers. When the Holy Spirit comes and we receive the Holy Spirit, then we're, when we pray with that directive of the Holy Spirit. Now, you've got to keep things in context, and Scripture has to harmonize with Scripture because God's not going to lie. And, and it, it, don't, don't misread this Scripture to say that, uh, that just anything off the top of your head that you want to ask that Jesus is going to do it just because you ask in his name. No, no, no. He's talking about what you ask through the power of the Holy Spirit because the power of the Holy Spirit is going to direct your praying into the will of God. And Jesus said, when you pray anything like that, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to do it. Praise God. I'm going to answer those prayers. And then there's promise of divine help. Look at uh, verse 15 to 18. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. 
Spirit there should be capitalized. The Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Oh, praise God, the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples again, listen, guys, don't be sad. This should be a a point of rejoicing because when I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and God's presence is going to be with you all over the world, anybody, anywhere, any place in the world. Jesus in the human flesh could only be at one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit will be there to help us wherever we are and whenever we need him, no matter where he is in the world. Amen? Praise the Lord. And then he promised to be a divine teacher. I love this. Verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, capitalize again, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How many of you need a helper sometimes? Amen. Well, the Holy Spirit will help you. He will come alongside. Now, when you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the history book of the New Testament. And you see a number of outpourings of the Holy Spirit, five to be specific. First of all, in Jerusalem, the one that I just mentioned in Acts chapter 2, and I read from that first four verses of my text. But then there was an outpouring in Samaria. Philip, one of the deacons of the church, went down to Samaria and preached Jesus to him and had a great revival there. The revival was so great they had to send back to Jerusalem and get some help. And they sent Peter and John down there to help him. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on them in Samaria. In Acts chapter 9, you find an outpouring in Damascus. That's when Saul of Tarsus, who was persecuting the church, was headed to Damascus to arrest Christians for serving Jesus and to bring them bound to Jerusalem and have them thrown in jail and possibly even executed. But Jesus met him on the way. And later he got filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Caesarea Philippi, another city. This time it was upon a Gentile by the name of Cornelius and to his entire household. So the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. Anybody here glad about that? Glad that we have an opportunity, amen? Up until that time, it's just Jews. Now we're brought in with an opportunity for that. And then in Acts chapter 19, Paul was passing through the upper coast of Ephesus, and he found some people having a church service up there. And he joined up and said, let me worship with you. And they're worshiping. And they got finished. Paul said to him, listen, have you guys received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said, we haven't even heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And so he preached to them Jesus because they'd just been baptized at John's baptism. He baptized them in water. And then the Holy Spirit fell on them. And, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the greatest churches in the New Testament was the church at Ephesus. In fact, Paul pastored it longer than any other church that he pastored in all of his ministry here. So great outpourings. Now, I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit is for every blood-bought believer. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus and your sins have been washed away, you are a candidate for the Holy Spirit baptism. And God wants to give it to you. It is a gift from God. I heard just this week, and it disturbed me so much. I watched this on YouTube, uh, a, a very popular preacher right now. 
And he made a statement. He's, he's a wonderful guy. I have nothing against him. And he's doing a great work for the Lord. There's no question about that. And, but he was talking about Pentecostal believers and spirit-filled believers. And he, he said, you know, I have no problem with that. He said, I, I love my brothers and sisters that claim this experience of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I, I believe that we're all one in the body of Christ. But he said, God just hasn't given me that gift yet. And he said, I've even asked for it, but he hasn't given me that gift. And, and I'm having to restrain myself from screaming at my computer screen and saying, yes, he has. Yes, he has. He has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. You just hadn't received it. You just hadn't received it. Let, let me give you scripture for that. Look at Acts chapter Chapter 2, verse 39. Is everybody awake? If if you miss everything I say this morning, I want you to get this. So can you you just really focus for the next couple of minutes? I I want you to get this. This is what the Scripture says. You know, because there's a lot of people today that believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was only for the apostles. And they believe that that stopped when the last apostle died. Boy, what a tragedy. Can't you see the angels of heaven going in to grieve and folding their arms and saying, oh, my, last person's been healed. It's going to be healed now. That's, <laughs> this last apostle, John's about to die. He's about to give it up now. And, and, uh, and, and nobody else is going to be healed. Nobody else is going to be filled with the Spirit. Nobody else is going to be able to prophesy. No, nobody else is going to have the spirit of discernment. No, 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 no. Here, here's what the Scripture says. It's not Rich Bowen's idea. This is what the Word of God says. For the promise. He's talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Get it in his context. That's, this is a sermon that Simon Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. The promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and it's to your children <laughs> that takes it to the next generation, doesn't it? And to all who are afar, all who are afar off, all, all. That's a that's a Greek word that means all. <laughs> all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Well, as some say, well, no, it's just a select group again. It's just the ones that God calls. No, 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 no. Who, who, do, who does God call? Everybody who gets saved has to be called of God. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit of God draws him. So God is calling. Everybody's not listening. Everybody's not eating. But God's calling for all of us. Remember the Apostle Peter said in one of his epistles, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All. That's the desire of God. Why, why, why isn't everybody saved? Because all have not come to him yet. But if all will come, all will get saved. Because the Bible says, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So God's calling all. So who is the Holy Spirit for? All. Say that word with me. All. Amen. That's, that includes everybody in this house this morning. The Holy Spirit. Let, 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 me, let me try to illustrate if I can. I, I got up this morning. Uh, I found this $20 bill. And... Um, I decided I want to give it to somebody. I just, I'm feeling kind of generous this morning. And I, I just want to give this, I want to give this to somebody. I, I thought, I, I, George Dawn's a good guy. Come here, come here, George. I, I, want, to, I want to give you this $20 bill. Come right up, come right up here. Yeah. You know, you know I'd, I'd walk faster than that if somebody offered me a $20 bill. But, but, uh, 
reason he's walking slow, he knows his wife will take it away from him so he gets back to his seat. But, uh, but uh, you, 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 you wouldn't mind having a $20 bill, would you? I mean, it's real. It's, it's, it's no, it's real, real stuff. Well, I, I decided this morning I'm going to give you this. this. This is yours. It's yours. Would you like to have it? All you got to do is ask for it. Did you hear him? He said, can I have it? He even smiled. And you're doing something when you get a smile out of George Dome. He's like, well, it's yours. It's yours. You can have it. You, you, You can have it. Anybody know why George doesn't have this $20 bill? Why? He hasn't received it, has he? George, let's try again. Would, would you like to receive that? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, that's yours. Go. Go. Bless you. Bless you. That preacher that I was listening to this week, the, only, the, the reason he hasn't received the Holy Spirit is not because God won't give it to him. It's because he won't receive it. It's there. It's for you. Praise the Lord. Anybody that's been born again in this building this morning that has not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it's not because God hasn't given you. He has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said all you got to do is ask for it. He's given it to everybody that asked for it. Hallelujah. And then you got to receive it when you, when you, when you ask for it. You, you know, you can pray. And, and um, I... We used to go through this when I, when I was a youngster. We, I, I don't know what people thought that the Holy Spirit was going to be like in my, my old church, but they, they thought you just had to pray and beg and scream and cry and holler and, and, and just wear yourself slap out to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You, you know what I think some people think, and, and, and that was a fault that we had back then because we didn't understand the, the gift of God as, as it is given to us here in the Scripture. We, we thought that we, we had to say to God, I, I want the Holy Spirit, and then we had to run, and God had to chase us down and, and, and make us take the Holy Spirit because they thought that the Holy Spirit would come on you and make you do stuff that you didn't want to do or, or that it, you had to you know, become like a robot or an automaton or, or, or some kind of something in the Holy No, no, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Holy Spirit's a gentleman, and God's going to guard your will and, and regard your will. You don't have to worry about that. But if you want the Holy Spirit, listen to me, and then you can go back to sleep if you were resting a while ago. But I want you to get this. If you want the Holy Spirit and you have been born again, if you will ask God for it this morning, he will hand it right there to you, and all you got to do is receive it. All you got to do is receive. Just, just receive him. Just receive him. Somebody give God some praise here. Amen. Amen. It's for you, and it's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift. If you need power in your life, the Holy Spirit will give you that power. If you need uh, power to live right, God will give you that power to live right. If you need power to serve God, he'll give you that power to serve him. If you need a comforter, he promised that he would comfort you in whatever circumstance or situation you go through in life. If you need a teacher, he promised to be a teacher to you. He will teach you 
whatever you need to know about him. Now, here's some Pentecostal expectations. Number one, a new language. And this is where people really get hesitant and crossed up. Some people are, are afraid of the gift of tongues as it's connected to and associated with the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of that. Again, that's a blessing from God. It's a, I had somebody ask me one time, said, if I get the Holy Spirit, do I have to speak in tongues? I said, heavens, no, you get to. Hey, praise the Lord. It's not a have to, it's a get to. What a blessing. Look what Jude said in verse 20 of his epistle. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, it builds your character. It builds your spiritual man. It builds you up in the Lord. It also gives you, he also gives you prayer assistance. Look what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Look at this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. That word uttered there means languaged. Did you know there's certain things that you go through in life that there just is not an earthly language that's adequate to express it or explain it or to even intercede or pray for? It, it, it can't be language. Have you ever had that kind of thing? Have you ever hurt so deep that you couldn't really explain to somebody how you felt? Sure. There's some things that we just, there, there's just not enough words to express it and explain it in a way that can be understood. Paul said, when you go through something like that, the Holy Spirit will take over and he'll help you. He'll help you, buddy. He'll pray. You, you, you may not understand. It may be an, a, a tongue that you don't understand, but he will express it. There's not an earthly language that can do it, but there is a heavenly language that can do it adequate to, to the throne of God. Also, there, there's an expression of joy. Have you ever been so excited that, that you didn't know what to do? Yeah. I don't know what it would take to excite George to that point. I know $20 didn't do it this morning, but... but, uh, but but, but I'll guarantee you there is a point of blessing in his life that could come to him. And he, he's had some of these moments. I, I can pick at him because I know him. But, but he has said, by the way, I, I gave the $20 bill to Tony in the first service. And he ran up to me as soon as I came in here this morning and said, you want me to do that again? George, he almost got your blessing, buddy. You have to watch Pastor Tony. He he get he go for it. He's ready to receive this morning. He's he he had a twenty in one pocket, and he he thought it might be good to put twenty in the other pocket there. You know. But but there are, there are, there are expressions of excitement and joy that can just overwhelm you to the point that you you, you just you just can't actually tell just how wonderful and joyous you feel. Amen. Praise the Lord. But the Holy Spirit will help you with that. Look at this. Uh, uh, there's also a new source of power that we have through the Pentecostal experience. Look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. Did you know through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
You've got power over demonic forces. Um, they'll speak with new tongues. We talked about that. They'll take up serpents. I'll explain that in a minute. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Remember, Jesus said, you're going to do the same works that I'm doing and even greater works because of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, look at that. In that list, there's deliverance. There's Holy Spirit language. There's power over serpents. There's power to overcome evil uh, thoughts of destruction towards you. There's healing. How many of you have been healed by the power of God? Amen. There's divine healing that comes. One of the gifts of the Spirit that operates. By the way, that, that taking up serpents thing, that, that doesn't mean that we go out and challenge God. By the way, if you're new here this morning, this is your first time here, you're, you're safe. We never bring out the snakes on first Sunday of the month. We, we, we don't do that on the first, first Sunday. Year, years ago when I was a young evangelist, we had some snake handlers that came to revival and I was running in Doraville, Georgia. And uh, I told them how glad we were to have them. And they said, we're so glad to be here and we want to invite you to come to our church. And uh, I didn't accept that invitation because uh, they handled snakes up there. That's not what this scripture is talking about. But it does say through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got power over that. We got power over it. Um, Several years ago, there was an Assembly of God pastor that was on a hunting trip with several other men. It was a big group of men that had gone together, and um, several of them weren't even saved. There were three on that trip. It was just pretty much heathens. And um, they, they thought it was kind of funny, you know, having this, this uh, spirit-filled Assembly of God preacher with them. <laughs> and they... They were way, I'm talking about they were way off, way back into an area where it would, uh, it would have taken them at least um, um, a couple hours even to get to a road. And then they were so far away, it would take them about four hours to even get to a city that had a decent hospital. And so they're, they're hunting and out of nowhere comes this huge venomous poisonous snake and he bites that assembly of God pastor and the guy that was telling the story he was one of those heathens that was on that trip he said we were scared to death we just knew that we we had this preacher with us and he's going to die there, there was no way that we could get I mean there's no possible way to get him out there out of there and get him to help and unfortunately we didn't even have anything with us we should have had but we didn't have anything with us for a snake bite and we just knew this guy was dead said big old big old fang marks where that venomous snake is a very po highly poisonous snake and uh and said we just got to listen he's just praying in tongues he's just praying the spirit praying the spirit and 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 said we were just we gathered around him we just panicked we didn't know what to do and, and he turned to us, he said, don't, don't worry about it, guys. Don't, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. Holy Spirit's already given me confirmation. Everything, you just, guys, go back doing whatever you're going to do. You don't, don't worry about a thing. And he said, we stood there with, he said, in fact, I got saved as a result of this. <laughs> he said, he, he didn't even swell up. He said he had absolutely, he had, that's what he's talking about right there. 
the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul had that same kind of experience. You can read it in the book of Acts where he shook off a venomous snake. And everybody thought he was going to swell up and die. But he didn't. Amen. But Jesus said, there is power in the Holy Spirit. And church, we're living beneath our privilege when we don't walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God gave that to the church, his body. We, we, ought, we ought to be walking in the fullness of that power. Glory to God. It gives us power to serve. Gives us power. Jesus said, Behold, I've given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I've told the story many times, so I won't take much time doing it, but it says if they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. Back in the 50s, when you used to, milkman used to come to your house and you had a little box. You remember those insulated box on the front porch? And they put ice in it. I used to love it, crushed ice when I was a little boy. They'd fill it full of ice and then they'd put your milk bottles in there. You left them a note that told them how much to leave. And the milkman would put, uh, our, our house, I think our standard order was always four quarts of milk. It'd be four glass quarts. And, uh, and that, that milk sometimes was very, very cold. My uncle was at our house, and, and he got one of those bottles, just decided to drink out a bottle. He, he loved milk, and it was so cold, and he, he took that cap off and started drinking. He thought it was crushed ice inside of it, and it was glass, broken glass, mouthful of it. His mouth started bleeding. His tongue started bleeding, and he'd already swallowed a lot of that. You know what that was. Any of you in the medical field, you know what getting your stomach full of crushed up glass would do to your, to, to your stomach and your intestines, your entire, your entire digestive tract, it could destroy it. And, uh, and my family just dropped to their knees and began to pray in the spirit. My uncle never felt a, never had a, that, his mouth stopped bleeding. That was the end of it right there. Never, never another moment. Never another moment. Praise God. There is, there is power in the Holy Spirit. And then finally, he gives us a new purpose for living. Um, notice before he said, and these signs shall follow them believe, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then he said, these signs shall follow. In other words, when the Holy Spirit is in your life and you are doing the will of God, then he said, the Holy Spirit will come right behind you, giving you whatever you need for the task that is at hand. Praise God. Praise God. Will you stand with me, please? I, I could go on for a long time. As, well, boy, I'm, I'm, the Pentecost excites me. I tell you, I love the blessed Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. I want the prayer team to come quickly, if you will, and any staff members or group, small group leaders that we have here this morning, if, you, if you'll come and help us pray. In, in a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray, and it's a very special time in the service. But let me, let me close with this one more little illustration, true story. One Sunday morning in a rather large church, Pentecostal church, they were having their worship service. And a little boy come bouncing in the door of the church and, and started running down the aisle towards the, towards the platform 
And the ushers caught him and, and stopped him and, and, and said, whoa, whoa, you know, where are you going? And he said, he said I've got to get to the pastor. I've got, I've got to get to the pastor. And he said, well, you, you can't, the pastor's on the platform. You can't, you can't disturb him. You can. He said, I've, I've got to see the pastor. And, and they said, why? And he said, because my mother is dying. And the doctor just left our house. And the doctor said, I've done all I can do. It's all up to God now. And he said, I want to know, is God here? Is God here in this church today? And so the usher directed him to one of the other pastors on staff. And, and he said to the pastor, is God here? Is God in this church this morning? Kind of, kind of caught him by surprise. And he said, well, we sure hope he is. And God's, God's here every Sunday when we come together in his name. And he said, well, why do you ask? And he said, because my mama's home dying. And the doctor said that he's done all he can do, and it's, it's up to God now. I, I want to find somebody that will talk to God. And so the pastor on staff sent a note to the pastor on the platform. And the pastor on the platform got up and just interrupted the service and brought the little boy up. The little boy shared his story. My mama's home dying. And the doctor said he's done all he can do. It's up to God. Said it. I want to find somebody that knows how to ask God to have mercy on my mama. And that whole church took that burden and they just hit their knees all over the congregation. And they began to pray in the spirit. And they prayed in the spirit until they felt that they had the answer and assurance from God that everything was okay. And they told the little boy, said, you can go home now. When the little boy got home, his mother was dressed and was in the kitchen cooking dinner perfectly well. Perfectly well. Healed by the power of God. Healed by the power of God. Healed by the power of God. If you want to say it was over 2,000 years ago, that's up to you. You can believe whatever you want to. But I choose to believe that I can still receive him this morning. I choose to believe that he still walks among us. I still choose to believe that he draws lost men and women to Jesus and that he saves the lost and he sanctifies the believers and he fills us with his spirit and he gives us a prayer language and he, and he speaks to us with the gift of prophecy and he gives us the discerning of the spirit and he gives us wisdom and he gives us knowledge and he has mighty miracles within his scope of ability and he has gifts of healing, hallelujah and miracles and helps and everything that we need, the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate him all over the world on this Pentecost Sunday. Praise God. Bow your heads with me, if you will. The altar's open. If you're unsaved, you'll never have a greater opportunity than right now. I invite you to come and give your heart to Jesus. Lives are changed at the altar on Sunday morning. If you're away from God, come home. If you're sick in body, come. Let some, someone here agree with you in faith, believing, and anoint you and pray for you. And we just believe you'll be healed. Amen. We believe it. We believe it. If you have other needs, whatever they might be.
And I just have a feeling that there are a lot of people under the sound of my voice this morning. I, I, hope, that, I hope that we've created a hunger in your heart and a thirst for the fullness of the Spirit of God. You'd like to come this morning and just ask God, say, God, I want the Holy Spirit. I want the fullness of the Spirit. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life this morning. And if you'll receive him, if you'll receive him, you can have that fullness right now. God bless you as you respond all over the congregation. Church, would you pray for these that are coming in Jesus' name? God bless you as you respond.